Welcome to the Human Design in Real Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm your host, Wind, and today I'm going to be telling you a little story about how I got my medicine name, Windstorm. So let's gather around the campfire, get comfy, and today I'm going to tell you a very interesting story. Pretty much from my earliest memories, I've always had, I guess you could say, magical thinking or just seeing the world a little bit differently and always checking in with my inner guidance system, my inner intuition, and uh, just kind of having random magical experiences in my life, things that I can't really explain, like seeing shadows in my house, um, other intuitive hits, um, premonitions, uh, dreams that come true, you know, that kind of stuff. So I've always been kind of otherworldly. And also, you know, when they say to go look back at your childhood and what were the things that you were called to do as you were a child and then do that in your adult life. Well, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, but it was um, out in the rural parts. Well, it was rural when when we moved there in the 80s. And it has since been exploding and blew up, and um, but at least there's still woods and a creek in the backyard, even though it's surrounded by a bunch of buildings now and houses and commerce, I guess you could say. But there is still a lot of nature, and that is always my happy place. Like me being outside, camping, sleeping outside, under the stars, with the animals, the creatures, the weather... Um, that has always just been at the core of my being and my soul. Like if there's one place that I can find God or whatever God means to me, it's outside in nature. And that definitely was reflected in my life a lot uh, in every decision that I would make. So there are three things that I've been very consistent with my life. Nature, art, and spirituality, alternative healing. Um, I call it the iridescent 5D glamour glow, right? Like uh, just really beautiful, playful, uh, sparkly magic synchronicities, divine intervention of universal magic just happening. But this was not common amongst my peers, people in my age group. I didn't find it amongst my friends. And as a very social type of person, I tucked away a lot of these drives, inner drives, desires, interests. I tucked them away and I put them aside because everyone looked at me like I had seven heads when I would talk about this stuff. So I put it away and I all I wanted to do was just be loved and accepted and appreciated and, um, you know, I just wanted some friends, right? I just wanted some friends. So I would just tuck that away. Especially in my 20s, I really tucked a lot of this away because I was my true self and I was 
saying all these things, but I was not in the right crowd. And as a projector, sharing my information around the wrong crowd that could not hear what I had to say, they looked at me like I was a freaking weirdo. And I'm like, all right, fine. Okay, I'm just going to pretend like I'm not this person. I'm just going to tuck this away and, you know, just tuck it aside and forget about that. All I want is just to love and be loved and find some people that are just good people, right? Well, I did that. But then by the time I got to my Saturn return, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, okay, so in that whole general vicinity, by the time I was 28, that's when I started waking up to myself again. We moved, my fiance and I moved from um, my fiance at the time, then we got married. Anyways, um, we moved to Durango, Colorado from Steamboat, Colorado. And uh, I, that's when things just really started to wake up inside me. And I could not keep hiding from myself anymore. And the universe and Saturn in particular was like, you are not living in alignment with your truth or what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm just going to smack you upside the head a little bit and get you to wake up and shake you a little bit. I'm like, great. And uh, astrocartography wise, meaning that um, where the placement of the planets on my birth chart over the lines of the planet, Durango, Colorado just happened to be on a Pluto line. So being on my Pluto line activated a whole bunch of, and then Durango being a pretty high vortexy vibrational place, it really just, I mean, there was so much magic and weird occurrences happening there at the time where I was living. (laughs) There was some like weird dreams, weird entity That's probably another story for another day. Um, So it was right about that time (laughs) when, you know, I was married. We finally got married, uh, 2009. And that's when everything started shifting for me internally. Um, I was looking at in my future and I was like, oh my gosh, there's just this desire to be amongst community and people. And I started seeing 5D iridescence shining in front of me. And um, it was actually right around the time that Instagram was uh, starting in 2009. I actually jumped on it for a second but I didn't understand what it was. And then I was like, no. And having a graphic design background and computer background, I was, uh, and then having that my deep drive for nature, I would go back and forth between uh, working inside, doing some sort of graphic computer work in the winter. And then in the summer, I would go uh, be outside doing landscaping in Colorado because I, I needed to be outside. And having eight months of winter in Colorado, I it, I was like, oh my God, okay. I don't know if I can live here because I need to have nature and plants growing around me at all times. And even though I love the mountains, it's beautiful, it's too cold. Um, and even though I've been here for a while, this is this has been a great experience, but I, I think I need warmer weather. And then my husband, he did not want to go on this journey with me. He did not. He was having a very different Saturn return. 
And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, we'd been together for five years by the time that we had, you know, not gotten or got married and then uh, was together, got married. You know, this is what you do in your 20s. Like, oh, you have a wedding. I was like, blah, 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 do all the things. And uh, and then I was, and then your Saturn return happens. And if you're not living in alignment with your design, uh, you can't deny it anymore. And um, Saturn's going to be like, all right, honey, um, sorry, you have other, there are other plans for you. And if, yeah, you got to do it. I'm like, okay. Little did I know at this time, I didn't have any language or information or anything regarding any of this. This was just me paying attention to my inner guidance. And now in retrospect, looking at this, I can see now and put language to something that I couldn't really explain, but I felt, I could see, I saw a trajectory. And I definitely was using my uh, 17th gate sun uh, a lot. And I, I've actually always kind of been using my 17 conscious son. And uh, I've always been a very visual making decisions with that center because it felt right. I was using my splenic authority to confirm how I felt about uh, what I was envisioning myself in my head. If I could kind of see a vision of what my future would look like. And I'm like, yes, no, I'm going to follow that because that resonates. And my splenic authority would be like giving me the confirmation, the validation that was like, yes, yes, this is it. This is it. That's why I picked graphic design. Um, I didn't, I'm not, a, I'm not much of a writer. Uh, writing to me feels like pulling teeth, but I liked having the option for putting pictures together and um, taking like larger concepts and turning it into uh, art and as long as there's something else for me to pull from and like do kind of like collage work or um, more abstract collage work then I can pretty much um, create something from that and I like being able to see I like being able to see the thing so I kind of use that to my own life and would use trajectory, um, future foresight, farsight, uh, like, okay, where is this going? Where is this taking me? And then I would build it in my mind. And granted, it, you know, it's kind of loose. It's like I would make um, trajectory blocks, like in my vision or inner eye, in my inner vision. I would make trajectory blocks and then see where that would go. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be with my husband when I was looking into this. It's just like, Okay, I got to unravel this one. This is 2829. Um, and I'm like, oh no, okay. So, because we're totally going in two different directions now. And, and so that was just like an aha moment. And I wanted to go farther west. I wanted to go check out California. I wanted to go um, like live in community. Like what else is out there? Like who are these people? And then me wanting this desire for community was definitely... Uh, my south node in gate 19. Now, gate 19 is all about um, wanting to be a part of the tribe. It was like the pressure to do, to be a part of um, tribal community. And there's a, it's a channel of sensitivity. Um, ironically, at, at that time, um, my husband, uh, and I didn't find this out until like a couple of years ago, um, he has gate 49, and which is the electromagnetic counterpart for that. And it's a very, um, they basically call it like the channel for marriage and divorce or like people that get together, it's like really hard to break up. Um, and my current partner, Ethan, also has the electromagnetic gate 49. So uh, I didn't know this at the time, but when I met my first husband, 
Um, it, I just was like standing right next to him. It's just like, yes, okay, it felt right. But this was back in 2006, right? This was back in 2006. And that was our first meeting and we were at a concert and, you know, I just stood next to him and I'm like, yes, this is the one. This is the one for me. And that was just part of like my splenic intuition, my inner knowing, just being like, yep, he's the one. Okay, we're, we're going to get married. This is it. This is the person I'm going to be with. Heart of gold, lovely human being, you know, love, I love him. Even if like, we're still friends, we ended up in, uh, we separated like very cordially. It was really perfect. You know, even although it took us like 11 years to actually file divorce paperwork. Okay. That's another story. Even though I've been with Ethan the whole time. Oh, it's so funny. So yeah, I guess like it takes a while for us to get, I don't know, that whole, that whole like marriage divorce for 1949. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, it was just paperwork. Um, that's a it's a funny story. But Ethan didn't care. I mean, like we were both separated. It was just it literally was just like legal paperwork that was we didn't really feel like dealing with until a couple of years ago. As I'm recording this, really funny. I'm but I'm not the only one that it happens to. It just kind of happens. But then you kind of get to the point where it's like, no, things are changing, and then we end up getting divorced, and it was fine. But whatever, no big deal. Like very cordial. Um, you know, but just realizing that we were like on very two different paths at the time. So then now in the future, looking at the past, everything just all kind of coincidentally makes sense. Okay. So there definitely is a point to all this backstory because my inner guidance was like, I need to just stop living in a house and I need to go live outside and just have nothing and live out of my car and go camping in the woods. And I actually made a commitment to myself right when this was happening and I was separating from my husband. And then I did meet Ethan right away. But a funny thing about Ethan, and we're still together, it's we're going on um, almost 12 years now. Um, and, and he was 20 at the time. I was 30 when Ethan and I met. And, you know, my husband, my ex-husband at the time was like, this guy? And I'm like, yeah, but like, I... I see him. <laughs> we were going on this journey together. We're going on this crazy adventure. So it kind of made it easier for my ex-husband to be like, okay, she's just crazy. I'm like, oh my God. But here we are 12 years later and like really, you know, everything that I saw initially within meeting Ethan at the time. And um, I was actually friends with Ethan's dad for two years in Durango before I even knew that Ethan even existed. Um. And it was pretty much like an instantaneous thing with me and Ethan. It was like two, like two of us, like seeing each other's both recognition, soulmates. It was just like, okay, this is it. Like this is this is who we're going to be with for the rest of our lives. I don't know. It was just really beautiful. That's probably like another story. But, um, you know, I, I made this commitment where I'm like, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be outside. And not in a house. I wanted to be outside of electricity. I wanted to be, <laughs> I wanted to be like out in nature. And honestly, this was my way of deconditioning. This because all of my open centers and all of my like, I'm like, okay, whatever is going on out in the world, and this is my, you know, 38, 39 individual mutation, part of my incarnation cross. I just wanted to go in the opposite direction of everybody else. I mean, like social media was turning a new leaf and I was just, at that time, like right around when my husband and I decided to separate and put part ways, there was a sequence of events in 2010. This was before I met Ethan. And then this is kind of like what catapulted me and my ex-husband like separating. Um, uh, in May of 2010, I had a... 
it was a sequence of events regarding uh, just catalytic, just sequence of events regarding um, people from my past, beautiful, um, and then people of the present, and then uh, this like male archetype figure boss where it was kind of like um, like Black Moon Lilith coming out of the closet and being a ravenous uh, creature that was just just not going to put up with being told what she can and cannot do anymore. That was kind of like the archetypal energy that I was experiencing at the time of uh, trying to fit myself into a box of uh, like being along with society and just what trying to do what society told me to do. And um, granted, I never like bought a house or anything, but like, you know, paying rent, getting a job, doing the whole work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing this. I am I am just going to go have nothing. I'm going to have nothing and I'm going to just start from scratch. <laughs> just not going to have any of the stuff. <laughs> like I had like my car was paid off. I didn't have any of like I didn't really have any bills. I didn't even have a smartphone. I didn't get a smartphone until 2016 or 2017. I had an iPod touch and stuff, but so um, I just, I, I just, for four years, I was just like, I'm just gonna just leave everything behind. But, um, so I had this, uh, catalytic conscious awakening that really just catapulted my consciousness in May of 2010. And that next year, uh, it was the unraveling of my, uh, ex-husband and I's relationship and, um, just, Step by step, just slowly, you know, unwinding our lives and bank accounts and just allowing the universe to just put me in the right trajectory. And it felt initially overwhelming to do that at the time. But as I was time blocking out my uh, consciousness and just allowing and opening up my heart and being like, okay, I have to follow this. I have to follow this inner guidance. I was not paying attention to any social media. Like that was just not even a thing. This was my own inner guidance. This was me just tapping into myself. And granted, I was like doing a lot of phone, like a lot of research on the phone, like trying to find people that were experiencing things like me. And I did find that in like lightworkers.com and stuff. And I did find David Wilcock at the time. And I was like, oh my God, okay, finally, someone, someone who's kind of talking about my, what I'm kind of going through. So that's what I, that's what I was doing. And then, so a year later, a year later after all this was happening, um, there was a couple other sequence of events where I wanted a now I love my ex-husband. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. But he just is not magical, like I would consider myself. I mean, and there's nothing to say about he just didn't understand what I was going through. I mean, I was having there was an entity on the land that we were on and he was coming into my dreams. I ended up having to bless the house with holy water that we were in to keep him out of my dreams because he was like the entity that was on the property was manipulating my dreams and I had to basically tell it to fuck off right I'm just like I'm like okay you this is not okay <laughs> you, you cannot manipulate me like this but Keith on the other, my ex-husband, he was like I have no idea what you're talking about I'm like I'm like oh my god I cannot live my life with someone who just does not see this and experience this or have a bigger vision that's just like sitting inside of him, right? 
So when that was happening, I was like, oh my God, we're totally just on two different wavelength vibes, directions. We're not going the same direction. So, so that was just a big inner realization I had to come to reconcile with inside of myself. Okay, so we're going in two different directions. So it had been about a year into my awakening. I guess you could say like all my shockers had just been blasted open. I was talking to, oh yeah, at the time, fun fact, um, May of 2010, right when my spiritual awakening is happening, I had the house that we were living on with my ex-husband filled up with crickets, okay? Crickets, like the whole house. It was, I mean, I'm telling you hundreds, if not thousands of crickets came into my house. Now, crickets represent giant leaps in consciousness. If you want to look at, I don't know, animal totem books, or um, if you hear, if you look at crickets, it's like giant leaps of consciousness where you're like, you're moving light years ahead of the people around you, wherever you're at. I was like really communicating. I communicated with spiders. I was like becoming really in touch with animals. Um, just so much like I was I was literally having a psychedelic experience without taking any drugs and I didn't know what was happening at the time like at, at one point um I was so enthralled with my experience that I forgot how to use my computer programs like it literally took me 15 minutes to to settle my consciousness down from where I was in like this in higher state to actually focus and actually do a project. <laughs> Guess I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what's wrong with me? Why is my brain not functioning right now? And um, so that was just kind of like the extent of that spiritual awakening experience. Now, in so that was like 2010, um, and I'd taken about a year to kind of settle into this new place that I found myself in consciously inside of myself. And I was trying to make sense of it. And I was researching outside of myself. I was in the process of leaving my current husband because I knew that we were going in two different directions and I just couldn't do it. And we don't have any kids. I, I We never had any kids together. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm free to do and follow this inner guidance and follow this inner direction. So um, it, like fast forward to a year later, uh, you know, our relationship, my ex-husband and I relationship was really like on the outs. He, uh, I knew it was about time for me to separate. Um, he had finally, like he went to the Telluride Bluegrass Festival, had his own spiritual experience, let me go. And literally like a week and a half later, um, Ethan and I, I, we went camping. We went on a camping trip and we've just been together ever, ever since. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like how that happened. Keith let me go. Ethan, uh, just here we are. We just ended up camping and we were both on like, had the same view, worldview, same trajectory. And we just ended up on this crazy, like living out of the car camping adventure. Because Ethan had actually already, he, he was in school um, but was not really vibing with the school, had also a different vision. Um, and he ended up like woofing on farms and like tomato farms and like was actually at a uh, intentional community uh, in Washington State, uh, Windward. 
<laughs> and then he was like up in BC, Canada for a while. And then he came back to Durango. And then that's when we met. And and now here we are, 12 years later, still doing our thing. Okay. So Ethan was already on that trajectory. And I'm like, hey, you want to still do that? Let's go have adventures. Let's go off and like, let's just go see what happens. And that's what we did. That's totally what we did. But you know what? Honestly, at the time, because my this little spiritual awakening was way, way before um, a lot of people... Um, I kind of, not kind of, I did. I had a spiritual ego. I was, I was pretty arrogant. I thought I was, I was pretty high on myself. I thought I was special that I was so awake and aware and had this like really magical experience that it was just spiritual hubris and pride and um, also got humbled very much so within this first adventure. I mean, I mean, the, the universe was like, uh-uh, bitch. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you think that you think you're hot shit? Watch what we can do for you now. And so I was like, okay. All right. So let's just, uh, now how did I get the name Windstorm? Okay. Now we finally get to the, like, okay, you give me all this backstory. Now can we get to the actual, what happened? All right. Okay. We're going to do that right now. So Ethan and I had officially gotten together since June of 2011. And so there were some loose ends we needed to tie up in Durango. But we had set the trajectory that we wanted to live outside. He and I both were like, we're forget living in a house. We're just going to be outside. Fuck it. Um, we don't want anything. We don't need anything. We don't want anything. We're just going to just go on this crazy adventure. And uh, winter was coming and we had a couple loose ends and some things to tidy up in Southern Colorado, Southwestern Colorado, Durango. And so, um, but then we decided to just, uh, winter was coming and we wanted to still be outside and where's the best place to be outside is Southern California. And, um, Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot to mention. Um, 2010, uh, 2011, I ended up going to Bhakti Fest in Joshua Tree, and that was my first time to California. Um, 2010 and then 2011. Um, I think it was... Yeah, it was it was that too. So it was like a combination of yoga, yoga experiences, um, former yoga teachers from my past um, that was actually now... Uh, performing or being at these yoga festivals is kind of like another conscious awakening um, catalyst for me. And then um, playing along with that. And you know, it was like 2010. Yeah. So then I went to California. So I was like, I got to get back to California. And I had already find the, I found these uh, hot springs in California. And um, uh, I, I saw, oh, that's what it was. That Okay. Now I remember. Hold on. Okay, why was I going to Ojai? Why was I called to Ojai? Okay, so it was September or April. No, no, it was April of 2011 before Ethan and I had even gotten together. Okay, I'm just trying to give you a little more backstory. Before Ethan and I got together, okay, another reason why I was called to California and specifically Ojai was because right before we were leaving for... Shakti Fest in April of 2011. I was leaving with like several other girlfriends and we were going the, literally the morning that we were about to leave to head dr and drive down there. Um, it, I had this dream where uh, I was overlooking a mountain range 
And I was coming to in consciousness. It was very lucid. And I was like waking up inside the dream and I was overlooking this mountain range and I could see the formation of the mountains. And my guides behind me, almost like they were on a little bit of a speaker, you're in Ojai. And I was like, what's Ojai? So I looked it up. I Googled it. It's Ojai, California. Um, And since we're going to Joshua Tree... Uh, that's where the yoga festival was. I convinced all my girlfriends to go to, I'm like, oh, I got to go to the beach. If I'm going all the way to Joshua Tree, we got to go to the ocean. Let's go to Santa Barbara. Let's go to Ojai and check it out. So we're driving around after the festival. And I actually was having this like crazy, I, I had a really big crazy experience in 2011. And like, you know, karmic, whatever's going on and just a sequence of events and I was just like, okay, I had breath work for the first time. That really opened up. I had this huge, crazy breath work experience. Oh my God, it was just nuts. And so then we go to Ojai and I was continuing having this, once again, psychedelic experience without any drugs. Um, and my chakras were all open. Everything was just, you know, I was in the sunshine. I was like, this is amazing. This is so good. And, um, and I was not with Ethan at the time. Let's just, I was still with my ex-husband. I was doing all this stuff. I'm sorry. I had to backtrack a little bit, but, um, so, you know, I get there and then we go to Ojai and as soon as we turn the bend and we drive around it, it, the image just matched my dreams. And I was like, oh my God, this is the mountain range I saw in my dreams. I'm actually seeing it now. I have to spend time here. I don't know what this is. I have to spend time here. Um, this means something, right? Okay, so that was April of 2011. June of 2011, you know, my ex-husband and I like part ways um, amicably, very amicably, very peacefully. Um, and then also at the end of June, or at, around the same time, I met Ethan. And then at the end of June, Ethan and I got together and then we were decided to just go on this crazy camping adventure by the end of 2011. So November of 2011, things had happened and um, we pack up our car, my car, we pack up my car and we drive down to Southern California with no plan whatsoever, right? Um, I'm like, okay, well, let's just go to San Diego. Let's end up in Ojai. And then let's just, let's just see what happens. Let's just, no plan, no plan, no agenda, just flying literally by the seat of our pants. And he was all on board. He, Ethan was like totally with me 1000%. And, and we're kind of like that um, now, like we have different visions of things, but we are, as long as like we're on the same trajectory, Ethan and I, we can like, like magic happens. So we spent Thanksgiving in San Diego and just meeting random people. Like, I don't know, we did like couch surfing. We looked into some woofing. We ended up in Ojai uh, and like got a volunteer job to do things at the Ojai Foundation. And then me being there, let me tell you about the Ojai Foundation. That land is one of the most powerful pieces of land I've ever slept on, camped on. And that is essentially where I got my medicine name from. Um, 
And then the sequence of events like after this. Okay. <laughs> but let me tell you how I got my name there. Okay. It was not normal by like at all. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So you camp outside, you volunteer, you help out, you do things. But I actually also had to do some like computer work and I didn't have anything to do. And I, I had like a little job. I had to work like five days to make this magazine and like lay it out and stuff. So I'm like me being like my little arrogant self and like, oh, I'm so special. Like the fact that they gave me a place to work for five days Oh, my God. I mean, I wasn't very nearly as appreciative. When I look back on that, I was like, oh, my God, I was such a little arrogant little shit. And, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, they really, they offered that to me. And I was really grateful. I wasn't nearly as grateful as I should have been. Um, and I acknowledge that now. So, um, I was just, like, volunteering. They let me, like, work. And then I volunteered. And because I literally had to spend, like, five 12-hour days of just me behind the computer and making this like layout. And that's how, that's how I made money and like got paid. But, you know, 800 bucks um, <laughs> to lay out a magazine in five days. Um, that, that The $800 like lasted a while because I didn't have any bills. So, um, I mean, I had to pay for gas and like, like not a lot of food, but it was fine. So, and like we got, like people would like give us food and stuff. And I don't know, I don't know how I made it work. I, I literally have no idea. I had some, I had some, a little bit of money saved, but like, I, I literally don't know how we lived. I don't, I'm, I have no idea. I don't know how I did it, but we made it work. So, um, so there was just some things that, I, you know, if you ever know about the Ojai Foundation, it's all about like the center of council and like just sitting around circle and, you know, like land and taking care of the land and being a steward of the land and, it's a really beautiful place. Like I highly recommend it. Um, the landscape's gorgeous. Um, people are really amazing. Um, but that's, it was, I got to spend time with the community and I got to see what the community was all about. And, but they really only had uh, like, you were only volunteering for 30 days and I couldn't, we couldn't stay there indefinitely. We like, we didn't, we didn't get like a job there, job there. So, um, so that was fine. Um, but, uh, there was some things about, <laughs> about the people that I was just like, I don't know. It was just, I don't know whatever I was seeing, but uh, I don't know what happened, but I was just calling maybe because I didn't understand the matrix overlay over like this other magical aspect that I, I projected humanity's evolution to be. So it was like this disconnect between where I thought we were going as humanity and then this... Um, like the, the overlay of the matrix. And when I say the overlay of the matrix, I'm just talking about like, I don't know, like people with money and then like, you know, putting it in philanthropy and, and like investors and, you know, whoever has the most money wins the game. It's monopoly. Like, babe, it's just like the, it's like the game of monopoly, but in real life and whoever has the most money wins. And, um, so I was kind of a little, I didn't really quite understand that. I didn't understand that, um, like I didn't understand this game that we were playing. Like I literally, it's just foreign to me. I'm just a child of the woods. I'm a gnome, you know, fairy creature that, um, like, you know, what you see is what you get and is, is really honest and matter of fact, but, um, that is not the way of the world, you know, with people with like wearing a lot of masks and, you know, saying one things and doing another and actions not matching words. And, you know, there's, there's just so many other nuances to make this matrix overlay work on this material realm that was just naturally really foreign to me. So it's been this evolution of understanding these concepts. So 
<laughs> All right. I have to backtrack a little bit. So right before we ended up at the Ojai Foundation, uh, right after Thanksgiving in San Diego and, you know, getting to the Ojai Foundation sometime in December, um, we, we ended up camping in Santa Barbara for a while. And um, we uh, just, that is not a place where you go camping. I probably would never do it now, but the luckily that we did, I ended up camping up in this... Uh, we were surrounded by possums, opossums and trees. Uh, every night it would get dark and um, these like little creatures would come. We saw their nests in the tree. They would come out of the tree and like walk around and we we're like, oh my God, these creatures. But there's, you know, I should have known. It kind of freaked us out initially, but um, it, you know, it was fine. But like the thing about Santa Barbara is, you know, they don't want riffraff or whomever like to go camping and live on their property because like it, it costs them a lot of money to live there. Uh, so the fact that like we were able to stay there for a week, oh my God, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was so beautiful. I love Santa Barbara. Uh, it's just, that's one of my favorite places. Um, but the fact that we were able to stay there for a week and, but at the time we were staying there in the tent I was having crazy dreams at the time too. It's just like being outside really opened me up to just having very lucid, vivid dreams. And um, this one night when uh, we were camping within the week, the Santa Ana winds came through. And if, you've, if you don't know about those, they're warm winds from the southeast, I think. And it, they come over from the southeast over to the west and warm winds and I don't know, like 50 mile per hour gusts. Like, like I remember waking up and the tent sides like are blowing on me and the tent and like dust is everywhere. And like the tent is on me. It's, I don't know, three or four in the morning and I'm being pummeled by these winds, but we were kind of protected by the trees and where we were camping. And I'm like, oh, the possums are here. We're going to be fine. Everyone was telling us about this in town that there were these like massive winds coming. And it literally sounded because like we were in a canyon and it literally sounded like elephants and thunder rumbling through the canyon as these winds were whipping through the canyon. And like the worst thing that happened to us was that like the tent was getting like blown in and sideways. And, but, but other than that, like we were fine. It was totally fine. So first windstorm, all right? <laughs> That's the first inkling of windstorm. Second, when we were at the Ojai Foundation, we were camping outside, probably had been there for two weeks. Um, you know, it was a part of council. We had just been there. And um, I had finished my project and whatnot. Well, the Santa Ana winds came through a second time. So, <laughs> yeah, so within the matter of two weeks, um, actually, no, probably two and a half, three weeks, maybe, uh, Santa Ana winds came through twice while we were camping. And so that was a clue, first and foremost, from nature itself to me. While we were at the Ojai Foundation, there was a groundskeeper. Her name was Suzette. She had been there for three years and lived in a tent the entire time. So she would tell us stories about her experience living on this extremely magical land. And it was crazy. Like the things that she would tell me. She has gotten so clairaudient at the time. And she was 
spending a lot of time alone, but just spending time in nature. I would consider her a very shamanic type of person. And then also, um, like, it's something that I also identified with. Like, I identify with, like, yeah, being of the land, getting really clear with, you know, beings that are not physically visible, but you sense them and then they talk to you. And and that was like really resonant. And um, so that was a big aha moment for me and being like, oh my gosh, okay. Um, I am not the only one that does this. So that was kind of cool to see. So um, Suzette and Ethan and I like all... Um, you know, we connected pretty well. It was pretty good. Um, but we definitely were not like meant to stay at the OI Foundation. And like, I thought that we were going to, but no, that was that. <laughs> no, not where we were at. <laughs> not with the adventure that needed to happen and like, you know, the universe putting us uh, in our place multiple times. However, I did get my medicine name uh, from there. So the... Uh, you know, I, part of council, like talking in circles and tribes, it, it had it had triggered something deep in my soul, multi multi life memory of how tribes used to work, and um, like when you're discussing something in a safe space, uh, it's like I understand like the value of council, and I think it's like really important, and I, I honestly think that that's how we as society need to manage our uh, government, our administration, uh, that if we, there was council of like wise elders, maybe like a can- council of grandmothers. Uh, and that's from, uh, James Gilliland. Uh, he likes to say that too, but we need a council of grandmothers to run things and then just do administrative processes. Um, whether or not that's possible, um, cause there's a bunch of other, world dictators out there uh, god only knows because earth is a mixed bag but i'm going off on a tangent i let's go back to the story here hold on so um i had a moment within within the council where it was just oh this one girl was triggering me she worked there and i don't know i just like the last council i was at i just let her rip and just said the things that needed to be said i don't even know what i said but it was literally like a windstorm went through that building um and just me just saying all the things that i saw <laughs> about like how everything was you know structured and blah 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 and i'm like oh my god what are you guys doing i don't even know but it was it was you know you call in all the ancestors you call in all the other beings are there and i spelt i spoke from my heart um i had also had previous kind of circle experience uh when i was in uh, my yoga therapy teacher training and i don't know like seven or eight years ago at the time so I, when i saw like how they were doing counsel i was like this is this is bullshit. <laughs> like, you guys are so fake. Why are you guys acting so fake? You say it's council, but this is not council. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like uh, the people that had um, one of the names on the the plaque for the council hall. I mean, I saw the Rockefeller names. And when I saw Rockefeller had like contributed or whatever the part of the Rockefeller family had contributed to um, building this building, I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, me, me, December of 2011 into 2012. Okay. So I was like, but 2012 was happening. Like, 
we need to wake up people like come on like let's 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 get on the road here like we need to it's time to evolve as humanity and like forget this whole thing anyways okay i've grown a lot since then um Okay, so, you know, after that circle and, like, several days later, they're like, okay, well, thank you so much for your time staying here. Um, it's going to be time for you to go now. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, okay, we're leaving, whatever. It's no big deal. Um, and Suzette, so when I told her, I'm like, hey, Suzette, yeah, we're going to leave. She was like, oh, man, okay. But then, so we sat down and just like, you know, for a moment and we were just like, just, I don't know, for a couple minutes, just like kind of processing it. Like, yeah, we're going to go like no big deal, whatever. Um, but then she said, I keep hearing, this is Suzette talking. I keep hearing medicine name, medicine name. And honestly, at the back of my mind, ever since uh, May of 2010, and just trying for to help me remember who I am or like the energy that I was embodying or the energy that I was bringing to this planet. Um, I had been subconsciously very subtly asking, what's my name? Um, kind of like if you had seen Spirited Away, uh, you know how... Um, the guy, one of the main characters, he was the spirit of the river, but he had forgotten his name. And it wasn't until the girl that had come to help him, helped him remember the, the, what his spirit name was or what he was the spirit of. So um, I didn't know what I was expecting, but I remember this moment when Suzette was telling me, I keep hearing medicine name, medicine name. And I was like, I have been asking for this. And it was me, Suzette, and then Eden uh, was there also. So it was kind of like the tree, like three of us. Ethan was not there at the time. I don't know where he was. He was somewhere on the land somewhere. Um, and so when, uh, <laughs> so this is where Suzette gives me my name. And she says it just how she hears it. She hears this deep, guttural voice, this deep masculine voice, go, windstorm. And, you know, here I am, little old me being like, okay, <laughs> thank you. That was not what I was expecting. Like ego death, right? Ego death. That was not what I was expecting, but I received the name Eden who was an artist, she had a pen in her pocket and she wrote windstorm on my chest. And I think I still have a picture of that. I'm probably going to attach it to this uh, blog post or um, podcast post. I'll probably put that in there. Um, Cause you can see a photo of that actually from when that happened. And I received the name. I received it. I'm like, I will gratefully receive it. I don't really know what this means yet. I'm not going to start wearing it just yet. I'm not going to start wearing this medicine name. But the cool thing about me receiving my medicine name like this too, was that I didn't, I wanted a new name, but I didn't also want it to come from me. I didn't want my ego to get in the way of me making up a name for myself. I actually intended and I asked for it to come through someone else. I wanted this to happen. 
Um, I had intended just because, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Aries people. I'm an Aries. Uh, first decan, March 28th. Um, and, you know, having an ego <laughs> is, is part of it. Vanity. Vanity and ego is just part of it. So, um, you know, yeah. So I, I didn't want my ego to get in the way. And I, I really wanted for someone else to give it to me. And so I thought that this was like a beautiful way for the non-physical beings of the Ojai Foundation, the ancestors of the valley, um, to give me my medicine name. And that has stuck. Okay. So I didn't start wearing it until... 18 months later, when, so my shadow self and my shadow characteristics um, were, I can be pretty brash, very direct, I can be mean, I can be hurtful, I can be really spiteful, and then I can really be a big nasty bitch, right? Those are, this is like the shadow side of myself that I have had to first off acknowledge love, appreciate, um, and and then tame her wild ferociousness. And like, you know, basically kind of like Dark Moon Lilith. Um, I, I had to make her feel safe. And me having these like crazy, you know, outbursts of trying to spew my whatever uncomfortableness that was going on inside of myself, spewing it out to other people and acting crazy is not, was not helpful. It was not helpful. And I had um, said some really mean things to people. Um, I don't know if it's like a projector. Uh, there's two types of projector bitterness that you might uh, experience if you're ever familiar with this. There's one type that is the repressive um repressive bitterness, that uh, inner resentment, uh, you might call it gunny sacking, where you just don't say what you mean and you just keep that resentment into yourself and you just keep like being bitter. But that's like a personal repressive nature. There's also the reactive nature, which um, is what I would mostly do. I also come from a very reactive, uh, emotionally reactive family, so that was socially acceptable. Uh <laughs> <laughs> in my growing up to be reactive and to yell and scream and whatever. Um, not that that's healthy, but that was just my the energy that I was brought up with. And so um, in order to reconcile that, uh, I went the projector verbal venom route where the reactive nature was just say the thing, be, uh, say the mean and spiteful thing and really just say the thing that is going to emotionally wound your opponent because you feel cornered and um, not seen and recognized and not heard and, and not like acknowledged. So that's where the verbal venom for a projector comes from. And I went that route. And then, so I received the name in 20, January of 2012. I received Windstorm. Um, then there was a sequence of events and we ended up going back to Colorado for the summertime, um, staying there, doing this, uh, just, I don't know, still living outside. We ended up getting a yurt. Um, I asked for a loan from my family to buy a yurt so that we had some place to stay for the winter. 
Um, so we could just set up and like, I wanted to spend 2012 outside. So we ended up doing that. Um, but then there was also like just other sequences of events that, um, ended up, I didn't wear, I didn't start wearing my name until August of 2013. So a full about um, a little over 18 months. I didn't start actually wearing it because I needed to have an identity shift. I at the time like my external bitchiness just had just gotten it, it she just she just couldn't get contained anymore like there was just I was outgrowing my name I needed an internal sh I, I needed to change but I didn't start wearing this name because uh, I needed some external validation I needed the universe to validate to me that it was time and let's say for example we, we were living in a yurt on um, this area that was always chronically windy right? Um, in the springtime. When we were living there outside, it was calm, totally calm. We left for 10 days. So 2012, 2013, we were staying in this yurt. Um, April of 2013, we, we went back to uh, Shakti Fest in April. And um, I just wanted to go back to California after that time. So go back to California uh, visit for 10 days. It was great. But then when we left the yurt, everyone said that when we were gone, it was just windy every day. Um, and then it was that time. Okay. Yeah. It was April, 2013 was when the big, another big aha moment for me happened. Um, and, uh, finding these hot springs in Ojai, um, seeing what was happening over there, uh, realizing that like the hot springs were taken over and uh, it was like bad energy. And I was like, no, someone's got to reset this place. Like it, Southern California had just, people had started discovering this place. Southern California, if you don't know, it's very light and very dark. Um, you'll have high highs, you know, very highly enlightened spiritual people. And then you'll have the darkest demons brooding in the nest, right? Like that is LA in a nutshell, the city of angels, it literally has angels and then there's demons like it's there it's it's both like it's it's just a portal of wild you know energetic madness <laughs> it's super fun but like okay so that was coming into this um these sacred hot springs and and me being who i am I was like, oh my God, someone's got to do something about this. Like this, this can't, this, this just, someone's got to do something about this. So, um, so after Ethan and I got back from this, um, Shakti Fest Joshua Tree trip, uh, I knew then that, um, we were moving from Colorado, but I didn't know where exactly either. Um, and then another, once again, another sequence of events happened over the summer, um, and just needing to burn some bridges with some former quote unquote friends, um, me just going in a different direction, just not really understanding. I don't know this, you know, anyways, there was just some things that were happening. And, uh, also for me to tame my spiteful verbal venom projector nature, and then also seeing, uh, with these friends that I was burning bridges with, they were also, they were on a mesa, on top of a mesa that was also chronically windy. 
chronically windy, like like wind so annoying you can't really stay outside. Um, and they had some dogs, and they went on a trip, and I ended up house-sitting for them. But since I was committed to sleeping outside and not sleeping in a house, like I did not sleep in a house for four years. Like I was committed to not sleeping in a house. And when I did that, was it windy up there? Not at all. I got up there, no wind, really calm, didn't have an issue. And that was when I started connecting the dots. I'm like, oh my God, do I have an effect on the windstorms or the wind patterns or whatnot? And that's when it started. It's like I would, oh, we would, uh, Ethan and I went to Boulder, Colorado to visit a friend. Are we moving to Boulder? When we get to Boulder, Colorado, a windstorm came with me. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? It's either not windy or it's windy. What are we doing here? (laughs) Okay, I I go somewhere, it's windy. (laughs) And I I leave some place that's chronically windy. It's, It's like it starts being windy again. If I'm there where it's chronically windy, it's calm. I, I don't know. So the, I just started putting like a, connecting these dots together. And then I'm just like, okay, all right. I'm feeling an identity shift needing to happen. I'm feeling this like letting go of the old and, and bringing in a new. And so we had this, we had this Mongolian yurt at the time. And um, so we ended up August of 2013. Um, I, I was burning bridges on all ends on all these like different relationships. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to go. I got to get out of here. I, you know, I don't, I don't really like doing that either. I don't like being the the shadow version of myself. I don't like it. I don't, it's not comfortable for me. Um, I'd rather not. <laughs> like I would rather not. And so the end of that shadow self of me manifesting was when I started going by the name Wind and Windstorm. Um, I decided to change my name. I felt really bad about how, what the things that I had said to this one person and like really just burnt the bridges uh, there with this one person. I said some really mean things and I can admit that now and um, probably wouldn't mean it. I, you know, anyways, people have said mean things to me in the past and, uh, you know, they've apologized to me like way in the future but like at the time, like, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, I know that you said those things, like, it's totally fine, but it just kind of like ends the relationship permanently. Like when you say those mean things to people, like it really, you know, it'll end the relationship and that's fine. So, um, right around this time I started changing my name. I, uh, I got an email from these people in Ojai saying that the Ojai hot springs were looking for caretakers to, um, man to just stay at the property and uh just basically be private security but they called it land stewards (laughs) oh my god okay so ethan and i decided to do a video interview and let people know that we were available well we ended up getting the job and i mean it didn't it didn't pay anything i know right and so i actually asked for, um, I didn't, we didn't have any, barely had any work. Um, I barely was making any money. And so, um, I was just like, whatever, I got to get to Ojai. Someone's got to do this. Someone's, someone's got to get to Ojai and take care of these hot springs because if someone doesn't do it, I mean, like what's going to happen? 
So Ethan and I being there at these hot springs. So when we get, so we move from Colorado, I was having like anxiety and panic attacks and like all kinds of shit was happening to me, like leaving this place in uh, California. But this is like, the reason why I'm telling this whole story is because when we get to Ojai and we... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we we move in a U-Haul. We take our Mongolian yurt. We get a U-Haul. We're trailing my 1996 Volvo behind us. I'm driving, you know, to California, you know, and I've never done anything like this by myself before. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, are we going to do it? Can we do it? Everything turned out fine. We get the U-Haul. We drive it there safely. I had a cat. My cat came with me. He fell asleep on the, uh, like in the sun, just completely passed out. He'd been my traveling cat, and I love, I love my cat. So, um, my cat came with me, and we set up in Ojai, and we get there uh, in October. Well, before we get there, <laughs> I had like the worst breakout of shingles. Ever my whole face it was like my like shingle like five days before we were leaving for Ojai I break out into like shingles my whole face blew up it was bright red my eyes were swelled up um, and I was like oh my god but I go see the acupuncturist and uh, cleared that right up within five days I was fine um, couldn't eat any like yogurt or coconut or any of that stuff I just changed everything about that. And, uh, and so then we, by the time we get to Ojai, like I was fine. Like you couldn't even tell that I had shingles or anything. I, I couldn't eat any, um, I couldn't eat any, uh, you know, coconut or anything. So, um, nuts, no nuts, no, nothing with ar- arginine, 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 or I don't know, however you pronounce that. Um, so we get there and, we're living in a tent. We're waiting for a community of people to help us set up uh, the yurt, right? So there was going to be a community of volunteers from not the Ojai Foundation, but there was a, actually a, a community that they had purchased the land that this was on. So it was under new ownership, and they were like establishing a new um I don't know, I guess like a new protocol for the land because it, before that it had gotten really bad with like... um homeless people sleeping there a lot of drugs voyeurism um guns oh it was it was bad like it was like dark dark it was the darkest of the dark and i'm like you cannot have this at these hot springs like you're just this is just not allowed um so we get there and uh so this is like in our first few days in like five days there was gonna be uh people coming onto the property and helping us set up the yurt and doing all this stuff uh but (laughs) Conveniently, the Santa Ana winds were scheduled and forecasted to appear, uh, you know, in the valley, like in the area. And um, we were in the Matillaha Canyon. That's where the hot springs are. Everyone, you know, you have to pay to go there now. It's it's managed um, very well. You know, you can't just sneak in. It's like, you know, you have to go and I don't even know if they're open right now because um, like there's been so many changes and fires and floods since 2013, 2014, that I honestly, like, I don't really know what's going on, but that's where they were at the time. Um, There's been a lot of changes since then. And also when we were there in 2013, 2014, I was hearing from, you know, the neighbors in the canyon, like the the floods and like we're in canyon, like we're in the canyon over here. 
And, uh, and when I was hearing all this, I was like, oh my God, like, I, I don't have, you know, the yurt, I would lose everything. I'm like, we can't stay here. Okay. But anyways, let me just, that was a little forward movement. Let's just go back to the day that we were setting up. <laughs> okay. The day that we were setting up the yurt, there were Santa Ana winds supposed to come through and the canyon is notorious for wrecking everything, right? Like just, it'll tumble a a canopy, like it will ruin, you know, things because the winds can get so ferocious when they come through the canyon. Well, on the day that the, you know, people were volunteering and coming up to the property and helping us set up the yurt, there, there was a slight breeze in the canyon. I was like, oh, maybe the, maybe the winds weren't happening. I talked to a lot of the volunteers and it was extremely windy everywhere else. It was extremely windy. People were telling me that it was windy everywhere that was going on. But in the canyon, there was just a slight breeze. There was no wind. So we were able to set up the platform and like get the yurt partially set up. So, um, yeah, setting up the platform because the year actually came with a nice wooden platform and then you just like set it up there. So like the guys were helping us prop it up, set it up. Um, it was, it was, I was just like, all right, all right. This is divinely orchestrated. We are meant to be here at this time. Me taking on my name. I'd only been wearing my name for a couple months. Leaving a town and moving to a new place where you introduce yourself as this new name. They all identify you as this new name. <laughs> My parents came to visit me while we were staying here. And like, you know, they were, of course, calling me Katie. And, um, you know, the people that had uh, known me as Wind or Windstorm, everyone just called me Wind or Storm, you know, just because Windstorm is a handful, a mouthful. Um, and so they didn't know who are they talking about who's this katie and i was just like oh cool wow i like this is so funny so changing your name you definitely have like a little bit of an identity crisis uh not identity crisis but it, it takes a minute there's like something psychologically that happens within your consciousness that happens like when you when you decide to change a name and start introducing yourself and going by this new name like something really happens to you it took it took me about six months to really um get used to me wearing this name so, so there's some more stories that, that uh, I can wrap into within our time of land stewarding this, uh, this piece of property. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely some stories. But the funny thing about like when I decided to start um, living and changing my name and going by this new name, um, we uh, like the, the, there were people... And then like me receiving the name and the people that we met at the Ojai Foundation, like trajectories, we've all, there's been like a group of souls of us traveling together that we then ended up like, there was like this magical trajectory of interconnectedness. Um, I'll have to, that's a story for another day. But like, as we moved forward and we walked forward in time, um, like say, for example, you know, when we were there in uh, 
December, January of 2012 when I first got my medicine name Windstorm. There was a girl named Veronica there uh, that uh, was there traveling also at the time, traveling, passing through, um, going on her own adventure. She ended up in Northern Oregon and uh, at the time. And then, funny thing enough, you know, she's the one ended up with our yurt, uh, you know, several years in the future, like in 2016. I don't know. It's just crazy. Like just our, like our, our crazy sequence of events um, was really fun. So, but I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell all these stories chronologically, but it's just, everything just happened when I started, when I received my medicine name. And like, there was just, when I just, just started this crazy adventure that I wanted to go into. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. So that is pretty much the end of this, how I got my name and why I started wearing it and like my life trajectory since that time, uh, what it's been kind of like. And, and also the reason why I do wear this name is, um, I, I do have some wind elements, wind and storm coincidence elements um, that does happen. Like if I would leave Hawaii or if I move a location in Hawaii, if I move and then like move to a new place or like something shifts and changes, the winds would come through. And that, that was just like a funny coincidence. I'm like, oh, of course, of course, um, I'm leaving Hawaii and a big storm is following me. I mean, this even happened like when we moved um, from Hawaii this past year. Uh, to back to St. Louis where I haven't lived in 22 years, but it's a good place to, um, yeah, I, it's, it's time for me to be home for a while. So just to get reacquainted with it back here. Um, so leaving Hawaii, I, <laughs> now mind you, the, the weather patterns leave it like from Hawaii to the middle America, you know, even like the Gulf streams and stuff is, uh, like they don't, they're not really interconnected. I mean, they're connected, but I mean, the fact that I left a Hawaii wind and thunder rainstorm and then coming to Missouri, I mean, maybe if there's, if you're a weather person and you understand the weather, maybe you can like explain to me like how this happens, but, uh, and you end up listening to my podcast <laughs> or this podcast in particular, and you're listening like, oh, hey. So the weather that I left a storm in Hawaii, this was just this past December of 20. 22. It's now 2023 as I'm recording this. So if you're hearing this in the future, I'm just trying to give you some chronological uh, signposts. So December 2022, that week I came. So we leave a storm in Hawaii, fly to St. Louis, settle down, and then a giant storm hits St. Louis, a big cold front where it's, I don't know, negative 10, negative 30 or something like that was happening at the same time. And then it snowed and we had snow for Christmas. And um, so it was just like a big, you know, these big storms that were happening. I was like, oh, great. I had like one storm that I came, uh, I left and ended up in another storm. So it's just like these like weird weather anomalies. And honestly, I have no control over it. I don't even intend for it to happen. It's just these weird coincidences that I, I just can't not acknowledge, right? Like I have to acknowledge it. I have to be like, okay, I don't know. This is just weird. I think it's weird. And that's kind of fun, right? Like it's kind of fun. So um, this is just, this is just me and myself and the energy. Now, does this, I can see some patterns in my human design, but like my human design wouldn't be telling me these things. This is like, 
this is like that quantum aspect at the center of your soul and like discovering like what lies within you, you know, that it's unquantifiable. It's like that aspect of myself, whatever I'm, whatever energies that I'm pulling from, you know, multiple lives, multiple dimensions, multiple, whatever, being a multidimensional being, you just pull it into this present uh, consciousness, body, mind, spirit, you know, that, that the person of the being that me that's like talking to you right now as you're listening to these these stories, right? Like this is just the interface. Like my body, my consciousness is just the interface of all these things that I'm pulling. So that's why I go by windstorm. You can call me wind. You can call me storm. Shoot, my family still calls me Katie. I'll answer to it. And I'm just like, well, my name changes kind of like the wind. It's whatever. I don't care, you know? <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, people can call me Katie. I, I don't, whatever. But I, my medicine name is Wind or Windstorm and or Storm. You can call me any of those names. Whatever works for you. So anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening to the story. I hope it has been entertaining. Um, <laughs> I, I love these stories. I hope you were able to, like, to see it or visualize it or sense it or... You know, you could like be a part of it because um, these are funny. And um, so one of, my, one of my human design aspects is uh, my north node is in gate 33. So north and south nodes um, help you uh, part of like how it overlays within your design or within your life is that it's your storyline. Like these are this is a theme that is a storyline for you to experience or to create experience. It's like it, it creates the story for you. So. Gate 19 was my south node. It was like tribal, wanting to be a part of the tribe, um, being in community, wanting that like support and connection. And then um, 33 is all about me and conscious sharing. I'm sharing the story and the wisdom that I have gained in my life and now. Um, so I kind of, I kind of look at it like this, like, um, up into uh, 30 and your Saturn return, you'll probably, you know, you're still actually maturing as a soul and like you're trying to figure out like this, who you are in, in your life. Then Saturn return hits, you start to identify with like who you are as an independent being away from your parents. Um, and like, who are you? Like what parts of your family and your parents are you taking with you into adulthood? And what parts are you just scrapping and like letting go entirely and not having it be a part of your reality? Um, so uh, 30 to 40, you're kind of starting to see this um, uh, north node, south node interplay. You're still definitely still playing in with the south node. Um, but once you hit 38 to 40, that's when the North node, uh, really starts to like kind of kick in and you're, and you're really supposed to destined to, uh, move into this North node mode, I guess you could say. And then it also kind of correlates with your Uranus opposition, which is, uh, in your forties. Mine is coincidentally right around 42 to 44, um, for me, my age, and that's actually where I'm at right now. So I find a feel that like I'm right on time, right on schedule. So part of me sharing these podcasts and these stories is, um, it's me, you know, 33 is all about, uh, it's a throat chakra gate. It is, um, about sharing the wisdom from your past and sharing stories and hoping that it will help humanity evolve. So, 
Um, and one thing I will notice, because sometimes um, the way that my human design is laid out, I don't really, I don't really have a lot of energy going to the throat. Um, the the podcast before this actually took me a lot longer because having to formulate it just wasn't um, for me personally creating that podcast just the podcast before this um, it was really choppy it was actually harder for me to get through um, but this one this version was really easy and I feel like I've been able to communicate Kate more clearly uh, and the words have come out a lot easier for me for some reason. I mean, so it's interesting for me being able to speak um, because, you know, I don't have any connections or motors to the throat. I've got no motors to the throat. I've got, I don't really have a lot of gates to the throat. Um, it's, I have some, but not, it's just, it's not a lot. So um, I'm still figuring out how having an open throat and then me communicating more clearly and having my story heard. So I'm not uh, just jumping all over the place, but I do my best to stay focused when I'm staying here. So thank you for bearing with me. Hopefully the chronological time uh, things were good for you and uh, I hope that made sense or uh, enough sense. I tried to keep it as concise as possible. So um, I hope you enjoyed the story. Thank you for traveling with me on this experiential journey and I'm hoping that you maybe learned something about human design and how it could maybe relate to your human design and then also just maybe some you know just following like the the fun part of following your own inner guidance and listening to yourself and making friends with yourself at the core of your being I mean it just I've just I just like I love these stories like me and granted, you know, at the time, I mean, I, you know, people looked at me like I was crazy, but then I was like, whatever, I just don't care anymore. I'm just going to do me and I'm going to be happy. Now, would I do that again? No, no. I mean, I mean now at this point in juncture in my life, um, no, not at all. I would not do that, but I loved those stories and I love that time of my life. And I loved like where I was at that time and being able to do that at that time and um, just having that be a uh, part of my story and just something to share uh, with people. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you, if seriously, if you've listened all the way to the end here and you want to email, reach out, please reach me at aloha at holistichuman.design and that's my email address you can reach me there if you want to like send me a message and be a pen pal or whatever if you just yeah anywho I hope you have a beautiful day wherever you're at I always like to think of us maybe this is still like my gate 19 coming out but it's just like I just want to be long lost family and like find people and meet people and uh you know, if you feel so called or inspired to reach out, say hi. I would love to hear from you. Aloha. Namaste. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Okay. Aloha. Aloha.